0: Sheath Underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. promo code iheart for 20% off your order sheathunderwear.com promo code iheart when you're craving church's three-piece classic there's no other option two crispy legs a thigh and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way and that's why we call it a classic church's texas chicken tap the banner to find your nearest location offer valid at participating locations Stops, launches deep, Jalen Guyton, he's got it! Touchdown Chargers!
1: And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach
2: Alfers. Now that he's not bailing on me for some work, <laughs> I can finally talk some Chargers football with my co host, Zach Alfers here at Zach Alfers. I'm Tyler Lawrence at the Master Bowl and at LAC Shock Therapy. You can find us on Twitter, Zach. You get a job and you have to start canceling podcasts now?
1: (laughs) All right, man. So I was really, I I enjoyed our one-week hiatus, but yeah, that's how it works. I'm big time now, a professional (laughs) baseball salesman.
2: It's all right. (laughs) I'm assuming I'm getting some free tickets here sooner or later, right? Oh, yeah,
1: Uh, definitely. Whenever you want to make a trip up to Sacramento, (laughs) I get two free tickets a game. Um, And we have 75 home games. I can't possibly use all of them. So if you wanted to bring the wife, you guys could have those. I could come and meet you, or we can go together. Uh, however you want to work it out, just let me know. Give me some dates, and I could hook you up.
2: We'll, we'll figure that out later. Let's get into some Chargers news. <laughs> I feel like we have a lot to talk about. It doesn't seem like a lot's been going on, but if you really look at kind of everything that's going on with the Chargers right now, Uh, The first thing that pops to mind, Kenneth Murray getting surgery extremely, extremely late in in this off-season program. Um, I don't have the the full story up in front of me, but as far as I know it, uh, he had injured his ankle during the season. It was like week two. Uh, He ended up going out for a couple weeks. Uh, He comes back. He plays the rest of the season on this broken ankle. Uh, his foot wasn't broken, but whatever injury it was uh, after the season, they said, OK, let's stop. Let's wait 10 weeks. See how it heals. Should be good to go. He goes and starts running on it, says it's hurting. Uh, they do another MRI. They determine that whatever it was. And I don't have the full injury history of exactly what it was. It required some sort of surgery. Uh, and now he's expected to be out. Um kind of later into the offseason program. I don't necessarily know if he's out till September. That seems kind of awfully long. Uh, he didn't tear an ACL or anything crazy like that, but it is significant enough to the point where the Chargers uh, thought that they needed to bring in some help. So the Chargers did sign former Rams linebacker Troy Reader. Uh, over the last 25 uh, 49 games he started 25 of them. Over the last three seasons at the Rams, he had over 80 tackles the last two seasons. Uh, he has not played exceptionally well in coverage, but last year he did have two interceptions and six pass deflections. Uh, I think that he provides some ability to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, he had 11 pressures last season, along with two sacks. Uh, he's a run defender first and foremost, uh, a pass coverage backer second. Uh, he's gotten better each season, which is something that you should take into consideration. Uh, I think he is a special teamer first and foremost. I like the sign-in uh, even before the Kenneth Murray surgery occurred. Uh, he can be a reliable depth play, piece to play special teams. And he has some starting experience on a Super Bowl team. Uh, it's a smart smart signing for a, a position group that really lacks a true superstar and doesn't really have uh, deep, deep depth. What are your thoughts on the Troy Reader signing?
1: Well, you know, I'm – I'm not nearly as uh, against it as it seems all and every Ram fan. That guy has got a lot of hate from the other Los Angeles team. But for me, I think it speaks to two things. Uh, One, how just unimportant that position is in Staley's defense. And two, the belief that this coaching staff has on all of the other pieces. I'm talking Drew Tranquil and the young guys. We saw them flash at times. And I'm on. Amen, um, Ogbogmaniga, and Nick Neiman. And I think, you know, they're going to obviously get a lot more playing time than was probably expected with a healthy Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. But, you know, it's early on in the season. We haven't even hit, we're, we're not even into the NFL draft. We have a full offseason, um, you know, a whole offseason to go through training camp. And so I, I don't think. I like the the Troy Reader signing. It brings us some depth, um, and I just don't think he's nearly as bad as Rams fans would like us to believe.
2: You know, I don't think that he's a starter, and that's what you ultimately have to look at, right? He's not a starter. He's a special teams player who has starting experience, right? Experience being the, the primary thing there. He's got starting experience. He's not just a straight liability. He's just not a start. He's not a great player. He is a role player. He's a rotational piece. He is, you know, somebody that for you to, to play in a pinch. You're not expecting him to, to take, you know, 70 snaps a game. You're expecting him to take, you know, 15. Majority of those coming on special teams. So I think if you taper your expectations and look at why we are signing him and what role he's going to play, I'm totally okay with with the signing in itself.
1: Yeah, and as depth pieces go, as, as a guy who doesn't get a whole lot of playing time, he's opportunistic with what he has, What the, the playing time he does get. He had an uh, interception in the Super Bowl, if I am not mistaken. And that, I think, spe- that is really beneficial to this young team who has very little playoff experience, if any, and no Super Bowl uh, experience. So just that in itself means something.
2: And he's gotten better each and every season. He gets better.
1: Yeah, you can't hate on a guy who's improving.
2: Yeah, he's an improving player at a position that is not really relevant to the Chargers' defense. He's probably not going to start over Drew Tranquil. If the coaching staff really is high, as as everyone says they are, in Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga, probably not starting over Eamon. And you're looking at a player who had, you know, 80 tackles over the last two seasons playing special teams. That's pretty solid special teams type of value there. Um, I I like the Troy Reader signing. I think it makes a lot of sense. And he's probably not expensive enough to, you know, if he doesn't make the roster, he doesn't make the roster. You didn't spend a whole lot of money to to get him.
1: No. And then I I think that's a good point you make about special teams. We've been only trying to improve that unit since Staley has gotten here. And I think, you know, a Troy Reader type, you know, helps that those coverage units uh, tremendously.
2: And then the other big uh, signing that we made, DeAndre Carter, Uh, he's our kick returner, punt returner, 29-year-old special teamer who offers more than what I think Andre Roberts offers right now, which is why they chose to go with Carter over Roberts. His primary role is going to be as a special teamer. Uh, He averaged 25 yards per return uh, as a kick returner along with a 101-yard touchdown last season. Uh, he added 16 punt returns last season, averaging 8.4 yards per return. Uh, rear, where the value comes is ultimately going to be as a kick return or punt return, but he offers a lot more as a role player to the offensive side of the ball, not only with jet sweeps, but as like a legit route runner. He's an ascending 29-year-old player. He he really has some pretty routes. Uh, I, I was actually watching some highlights of his, and his ability to manipulate defenders and and move um, use the, their body language against them in his route running. Uh, I think that's like a, a, uh, I, I think there's a real value in that as a uh, as a wide receiver, right? Uh, I don't necessarily think he is a burner by any means, but I think that he is a player who understands uh, leverage of the defense and kind of how to hit the hole, hit it hard, hit it at full speed and let it go. Um, I still don't think he's as great as a returner as Andre Roberts was, but again, I think he's an ascending player. Um, He had three touchdowns and 300 yards receiving, so he just offers more than what Andre Roberts does, and he can take those jet sweeps and be that little bit of a gadget player while also stepping out into the slot if needed and running routes from there as well.
1: Absolutely, just he just checks off more boxes. I I I loved seeing Andre Roberts back there, but now we have a kick returner and a punt returner and someone who can help that offense. I was not excited to go back into. I wanted, I did want Andre Roberts back, but I was not excited to have you know um KJ Hill back there returning punts like who are we going to have return punts you know at at this point in Andre Roberts career he is he's no longer that guy he was at one point now we went with a younger option a guy who can contribute in more than just one position and that being kick returner for Andre Roberts so I, I like it I think it makes a lot of sense and I'm just excited to see what that guy can do with the ball in his hands.
2: And then the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up before we jump into um, into these interior defensive linemen that we are going to be talking about on this episode, uh, who have the Chargers worked out um, during the draft process? And I've been compiling a list for a few days. Uh, I think that there's definitely players on here that I'm missing, but Players that the Chargers have worked out. The first player that pops in and out on uh, out to me is going to be Matt Reza, San Diego State punter. The fact that we are working him out uh, is, God, this guy's going to go by the second round. <laughs> I swear to God, he's getting so much guy. hype. It's not even that I, I love this guy. I think that there's just a lot of hype surrounding this punter. There's three punters in this draft who are potentially going to get drafted. Uh, and Areza, I mean, he can. He, I don't see any way he's on the board in the third round.
1: Bold. Are you? Gonna, uh, are you
2: gonna? Are you good? Well, I mean, you're looking and you're seeing how much hype this guy has. We've seen kickers and punters drafted that high. It just hasn't been that long. It's, it's been a long, long time, right? Like,
1: I well, but, and I can't. You say that. I can't think of a single one. But I, I don't doubt you. I don't doubt you. If if that's
2: what the Bucks on. kicker, the Bucks kicker, uh, Buccaneers drafted him in the second round. He ended up totally flopping. Uh, he was on the Chargers practice squad like two years ago, three years ago.
1: Oh, um, not gonna, not gonna come to me.
2: Sebastian Janikowski was a first round draft pick.
1: Okay, but that's uh, okay. You you think Ariza is going to be a a bass type of, you know, all he- pro every year? I get, and kicker, but kicker's different. You know, kickers score points. Kicker's different,
2: yeah. And I get that. Matt Areza broke records,
1: fifty-two yard average. I'm not gonna lie. He, I'm not gonna say he's not impressive. I just, yeah. I just don't. It, I will still be impressed if he goes above th- of a third round pick. I just with with where the NFL is going, where they have shown value. I I just don't see it but I don't think that speaks, you know, I'm not saying that he's not a great prospect. He's an incredible punter. He does some amazing things, um, but I, I just don't really see him going in the top three rounds, but that, that's just me.
2: I think that he's going to go in the third round. I, I'm throwing that out there now. Uh, I mean, he's averaging three yards further than the next closest punter. Granted, I don't think I value a punter that high yeah i don't i just don't not especially when you got fourth and staley like you're not (laughs) flipping field position as often as you want i don't see the value there but i think that he's gonna go early i just i think that a team's gonna take him by the third round outside chance but it could potentially happen in the second round if a team really wants to flip field position right like that's what you're gonna do so I, I just had to bring up Matt Reza. There's two other punters in this draft who are going to go by the fifth or sixth round. And then uh, from there, everybody's just camp body. <laughs> uh, the other Charger player, the other players that the Chargers have worked out. Tied end in Armani Rogers from Ohio. Uh, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner, Jalen Virgil from Appalachian State. Uh, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner, Jakari Roberson. Uh, Wake Forest, tight end Greg Delsich. I don't know if I said that right. UCLA uh, cornerback Derek Stingley. Brandon Staley himself was at the LSU Pro Day watching Derek Stingley, which to me gets me super excited, right?
1: Yeah. I'm I, all on board with Stingley. I think without that gruesome injury, he's easily the best DB in this class. And I think you could still make an argument that he is uh, even with the injury.
2: Two injuries. I mean, he's only played like yeah, eight games coming. over the last two seasons. But uh, I, his freshman year was just outstanding. Like He's a beast. So I'm really, really, really intrigued by the fact that Brandon Staley himself went and watched Derek Stingley. That means there is legit interest. This is not just a random scout. The man right. was there in person watching him. Uh, and then players that the Chargers have met with during the uh, draft um, during the combine, I should say, Traylon Burks, um, offensive tackle, Sean Ryan, who I think would be a legit potential second round target. Uh, I don't know who this is. Gene DeLance, a uh, tight end, Chig Okwongwu, Wu, Chig Wu, whatever the hell his name is. He uh, they met, three. they met David Ajabo. Uh, they met with Trent McDuffie and Sauce Gardner. So, They've done their research on the top three, I would say, cornerbacks. Yeah, uh, and they're doing research on kick returner, punt returners. I know we just filled that role, but they're they're looking at special teams players without a doubt. Tight end, definitely a special teams player, um, and kick returner, punt returners, and raises. So interested to see where that ends up going. And before we move on to the um, To the uh, interior defenders that we're going to talk about on this episode, I did want to bring up DraftFest. I'm super stoked because I'm actually going to DraftFest this year. Uh, It's at SoFi Stadium. Uh, The Chargers are going to be hosting an open house and DraftFest on Thursday, April 28th at SoFi Stadium in conjunction with the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, The open house is a select seat event uh, gives FAM members the opportunity to access the stadium prior to the event for exclusive access to view inventory to add on, upgrade, or relocate current seats. Uh, I will just say I was able to upgrade my seats already, uh, so I'm no longer in the 512 section. I've actually moved into the 300 section. Um, I was able to uh, upgrade the premier seats. Uh, that's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to get that opportunity. Cause I literally bugged my season ticket rep every day for the last, since October, I've been bugging like, fine. The shit out of him. Fine. Yeah, exactly. You get exactly. one. <laughs> I was sending him different memes every single day, just random memes. So, you know, the Will Smith, this is, you'll laugh at this, you know, the Will Smith, um, uh, the the will smith slap thing right like at the, yeah. the oscars or whatever the grammys yeah uh i sent him like that meme where it's like me getting slapped and him slapping me and he's like no i don't have any premier seats and uh i think he got a nice <laughs> chuckle out of that i'll send that to you here in a little bit okay <laughs> but i was only able to get two seats because there are no more available so I've literally bugged him every day, and I just happened to bug him on the day that somebody closed their seats, and I'm stoked. Nobody else is going to find that. Again, I was very adamant because I've been wanting to upgrade from these, these uh, nosebleed seats into, into that area. So I, I got real lucky.
1: So it, it's only for the Draft Fest thing. Because your season tickets are solid are good tickets
2: oh so i have four season tickets right so i have two in the section we sat in which is 208 which is the charger bolt family section but i also had two up in the nosebleeds right okay um and i've been trying to get four in the premier area so i've been trying to get my two from the in the nosebleed section into the 300 level um but i've been trying to do that for months and the goal is to get four next to each other I just wasn't able to do that. So I just got four random ones. I would sell two seats to whoever, and then I would go to my my own two. The goal is to get four in one section so that, you know, eventually when I have kids, uh take the family. But you got to work my way up to it, and it's not easy to get those seats. Literally. You got a wedding day. to,
1: to uh, go to first. We're yeah, talking about we- kids and <laughs> filling
2: seats. <laughs> I mean, me and my wife have been together for – five years now well five years now so like it's it's coming right i'm i'm 31 years old i'm looking at my own biological clock ticking uh but i'm also looking at you know chargers games and this wedding's gonna happen regardless but (laughs) (laughs) it's already paid for so it's it's gonna happen but yeah man i'm excited to to upgrade to those seats and i've been really working hard to try to do that for gosh so long man
1: well cool if you're in I mean, it, it's it's a full year late, but um, if you're there, maybe you can bug your rep, and uh, he can bug the right person to give me my Sean Slater parade because I I still want that.
2: <laughs> the Sean Slater parade, you're gonna have to throw that <laughs> yourself, man. You gotta get that together. It. That's fine. I want to see a nice Sean Slater float. I want you to decorate it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. Know, that. We'll get that float when they win the Super Bowl. That's okay, when you're gonna get. The parade. You're right.
1: That's my parade. I'll I'll take that. That's a, a solid solid consolation prize. Uh,
2: are you ready to move on to defensive tackles?
1: I think we should do it.
2: All right. I'll let you go first.
1: Well, I feel like you should go first because you have, I th- think, the most hype. The most ridiculous. Uh, you have to start because you got you have the most ridiculous tackle. All right. I'll talk about Jordan
2: Davis. Jordan Davis is by far my favorite uh, defensive tackle in this class. One of my favorite players in this class. He's 6'6", 341 pounds, and scored a perfect 10.0 RAS score. George's defense. <laughs> I didn't love that. That's insane. Perfect <laughs> so George's defense. I mean, every player on that defense is well-known. Nakobe Dean, Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall. Last season you had in Monty Rice, Aziz Ujallari, Tyson Campbell, Mark Webb, Eric Stokes, and then you also add in Jermaine Jefferson. I mean, you look at the Georgia defense over the last two seasons, almost all those guys were drafted by the third round, most of them by the second round, lots of them in the first round. Half of those players, I mean, it's just outstanding how they've been able to just build up that defense. As great as Georgia's playmakers are on that side of the ball, the cream of the crop is Jordan Davis. Davis won the John Outland Trophy, who goes to the best interior lineman. He won the Chuck Bednarik Award. The Defensive Player of the Year, determined by the Maxwell voters, uh, who are made up of college football coaches, sports writers, and sports casters. Davis, like I said, is the premier player in this NFL draft. No player has the blend of traits you're looking out of a position-specific player. Size for a nose tackle, check. 6'6", 341 pounds. Athleticism. This man ran a 4'7", 8", 40-yard dash. That is good for second best among all interior defensive linemen. He is also 341 pounds. That's lastly, Jerry Rice.
1: That's Jerry Rice speed.
2: That is Jerry Rice speed. Maybe early on, maybe a little bit injured, but, I mean, let's, let's get back into this. So, lastly, only eight defensive tackles have Ever run faster than Jordan Davis? That includes Aaron Donald, Hall of Famer; Geno Atkins, Hall of Famer; Tommy Harris, All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and his own teammate Devonte Wyatt are four of those eight players in that uh, in that group. Uh, Wyatt's also probably going to end up potentially being drafted earlier. So you just take that for what it is. But no player has ever run that fast over 310 pounds. So when you take into account that Jordan Davis is 6'6", six, six, 341 pounds, and he's running sub 4'8", that is absolutely insane off the charts. Never been done before. Probably the fastest person at his weight in the entire world. It's just insane when you think about it. His vertical jump was 32 inches. That is second best among all interior defensive linemen. Again, at 341 pounds. And then you talk about explosiveness. Broad jump, 10 feet, 3 inches. First among all interior defensive linemen ever. Over the last 20 years, at least, that I look back, I I couldn't find anybody that even got close. Again, 341 pounds. And that's 11 inches longer than the next closest interior defensive lineman. That would have placed him sixth among edge rushers. Among edge rushers that are like half his size. That is just absolutely insane. There's a reason he had a perfect RAS score. And then we're not even talking about his strength. He didn't even hit the bench press. I'd love to see what this man is doing on squat. I mean, Washington Davis is obvious. He's one of the strongest players on the field. He effortlessly sheds players, wins double teams. He has a knack for freeing up teammates to make tackles. He is the player that does enough dirty work to help the entire defense get in on the play. And in the event the offense doesn't double team him, you're going to find him in the backfield making tackles for a He's a difference maker against a run. There's not many players who draw the attention the way Davis does, even if his stats don't align. The knock on Davis is that he's going to be a two-down player. I'm not buying that. We just saw all the athletic ability there. And then you look at his fit to the Chargers. The Chargers played a true nose tackle the last two seasons pretty consistently. Linval Joseph, over the last two seasons, 550 snaps just last year. And he I don't think he missed a single snap two seasons ago. He's ultra-athletic, which tells me he can improve as a pass rusher. In my opinion, Davis – takes too much slack for not having the sacks, but Film says that this is a player who redirects running lanes and resets the line of scrimmage. He still commands double teams, whether in the run game or slowing the bull rush, which helps the free edge defenders. He's a top five player, in my opinion, and I don't see why he's not getting the hype that other defensive tackles typically get, because this man is a difference maker. He should. He has the talent level. He has... I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player, and I'm calling that out now, and that's really hard to crown somebody like that, but he has so much blend of traits that you don't see in people. He is special, and the fact that he's not getting that hype because he's a nose tackle, because he's a two-down player, you guys are absolutely wrong because this guy is going to be a five-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. He's outstanding, and I he's not getting the credit he deserves because he doesn't have the stats.
1: Well, and you, so you you answered my question about him being a two down player. I don't, I don't think I don't think that that is going to keep him from being drafted. But do you, what do you think is like the realistic shot that he's there at 17 given the 10 point flawless RAS score.
2: So it's really hard, right? Because uh, I'm not seeing any hype of him going in the top five at all. Right. I'm not even seeing very much hype of him going in the top 10, though. That should be the, that should be the ceiling of where he's drafted talent wise. But I think teams are looking at some of these edge defenders, uh, a premier position. Uh, I think players are looking at some of the, or people are looking at the offensive tackle class, a premier position and, I don't know why, but I keep hearing three or four quarterbacks going in the top 10 to 15. So if those players, if you have four edge rushers going uh, in the top 15 and you've got four quarterbacks going in the top 15 and you've got uh, you know two or three wide receivers, um, there's a couple corners, at least two corners that I think should be drafted in the top 15 when you look at all these different players coming off the board like that, then there is potential that he ends up falling. I don't, don't see why he would fall that far because he's the t- he's got talent at a non-premier position.
1: Yeah, I, I just don't understand why. I just don't understand how you could continue to pass on this guy. And why, I mean, even when Aaron Donald came out, what, he was like, a, a, I, I want to say 13th overall pick. And it wasn't until, you know, back when in 2010 when Ndamukong Suh and Gerald McCoy went two and three that you saw D tackles go in the top. Uh, they went two and three in, in the top five. I don't earliest, understand why. You,
2: yeah, the earliest defensive tackle that I can think of right now is Derek Brown, who was drafted seventh overall.
1: Ndamukong Suh went two and then Gerald McCoy went three in 2010.
2: And both, all three of those players are going to be – well, Derek Brown still hasn't lived up to the draft hype, but he's not a bad player by any means. I think the issue is that you're looking at him as a nose tap, the same reason why Kyle yeah. Hamilton's going to drop. And don't get me wrong, Kyle Hamilton, we'll talk about him next week. I mean, he has not tested very well, and if you're going based off film alone, he's a top five player. If you go based off of this, the athletic profile, he's like a you know top 30 player. Right, And I think he's probably going to be the player that drops more than likely for any other player. I think he's going to go into the 20s, which would be crazy to happen. But you don't have the drawbacks to Davis. Like You don't have any drawbacks outside the fact that he plays nose tackle, but he's the most athletic player at his size ever. Yeah. Ever.
1: Well, and I, I think... I have a hard time seeing them at 17 because I think some GM out there is going to wise up and not even take a flyer, take the best player available as soon as the sixth pick comes around. He's the best. I mean, I think he's the best, the best player period in this draft. He is absolutely amazing for what he does. I don't understand the two. I've. I didn't get it. I was knocking him as a two down player before you get into the tape and before you see with your eyes what this guy can do.
2: Combine. I think the reason he's a two down player is because Georgia's defense had such a good rotation of players that why why play him on third down when you can keep him fresh on first and second down. He just wasn't asked you, to do it.
1: You didn't need to and I think he didn't need to. And even in the NFL, you don't necessarily need to. And if that's how you want to go about him, you've seen how productive he can be as a two-down player. Now, I think the question is, can he still be that productive as a three-round player or as a three-down player? It, and I think that is the question mark there. I think he can yep. be. I don't. I, I would love him at 17.
2: And here's the other crazy, the crazy thing that nobody's talking about. His playing rate weight isn't 340 pounds, it's 365 pounds. That's what he was playing at his play weight. He cut 20 25 pounds, which is insane for the combine, so that he could test at this four, seven, eight, 40 yard dash. And like you take into account that he can move his body weight around like that. That just shows discipline. Absolutely. He's such a disciplined person. To be able to go and do that like that's he's a true athlete and pound for pound. You look at all of the traits you look at his film study. I mean he is he is a superstar and I bet you anything he is a superstar from the day he steps foot on the football field because nobody has the power or strength. I mean he plays at a low pad level. I don't think there's really too many drawbacks other than the fact that he doesn't have the hands to fight and battle. He's he's a power player. He doesn't need to. That's not his game. He's not going to try to blow past you. He's going to bull rush you. He's going to shed you, and he's going to make the tackle, and that's what he does. That's his game. He's extremely good with it, and it's a major, major benefit to a Brandon Staley type of defense where you have a player in the middle there, controlling and resetting the line of scrimmage he's not a gap penetrator and you don't want him to be in this defense because you're playing two gaps a gap and a half scheme right that's what they call it a gap and a half scheme he is such a good fit my only drawback I feel like I could talk about this guy for the (laughs) entire podcast my only drawback with drafting him is I don't think he fits when you take into account that the chargers have four players that can play nose tackle and you probably don't want him to be your legit penetrator your three tech defense you probably don't want him to play that position which means having him and sebastian joseph day who just signed a three-year contract is a little redundant which makes me think that ah we're gonna pass on him
1: yeah Uh If he makes it, if he makes it, I don't think he's going to be there. And I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to make it, but. All right, I'll let you talk. (laughs) Is it my turn? (laughs) It's your turn. Uh, I'm going to kick it off my interior defensive lineman with uh, Travis Jones, D-tackle out of UConn, who, before we started this, was one of my favorite prospects, getting mocked to the Chargers early in the draft process, and, Even after we added Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, I'm still completely on board for another D-tackle at 17. Because I have the belief that championship teams identify roster weaknesses in the offseason, and they turn those into strengths. The Chargers were able to do that last season with the offensive line. And even though our defensive line is significantly improved with those two additions I just mentioned, I do think we are just one solid rotational piece away from being able to consider it a strength adding a guy like davis or adding a guy like travis jones who i think makes a little more sense with with the other guys we added i think puts this unit over the top he's an absolute beast and i've been following him very closely ever since the senior bowl because he just put a phenomenal week of practice down uh, together down in mobile he when you looked at that senior bowl, he, in my opinion, had the best highlight period of the senior bowl where he just forklifted the center and dropped him into the lap of the quarterback um, for a sack. The guy has, he he's a brute. He is brute, brute strength and really built in the mold of a Linval Joseph. And I think makes a lot of sense as, you know, that long-term replacement anchor in the middle of the Chargers defense. He can play two gaps. He's a player that's very wide. You know, he, he fills multiple running lanes. And like the play I just described, he has more than enough strength to completely collapse the pocket. After his his dominant senior bowl, his hype, he continues to add to it, even though he's not getting the recognition of Jordan Davis, but rightfully so, because nobody's Jordan Davis at this point. Travis Jones, though, is 6'4", 325 pounds, and he ran a 4'9", 240. He has the agility to go along with that speed. He tied for the fastest three cone drill amongst interior d- defensive linemen, the fifth longest broad jump, third fastest 20 yard shuttle. And it's not a perfect score, but it's a 9.66 relative athletic score. Which, that's super
2: athletic uh, <laughs> for that's really good.
1: That's a super athlete right there. You know, and and he was thought of coming out of Yukon similar to Jordan Davis as a pure run stuffing nose tackle. And on his college tape, you know, that is definitely his best trait, his ability to reset the line of scrimmage. And he takes up any and all blocks that come his way. I like to say this guy eats up space like fat kids eat cake. And what Jones has shown throughout the draft process is that he's more than capable of rushing the passer as well. You know, he was dominant in one on one drills at the senior bowl. And I don't think you can really stick this guy into one position. I I think he offers you some position versatility as well. And at the end of the day, he is a tremendous leader. All of his teammates, all of his coaches only have uh, incredibly positive things to say about me, say about him. And he has an extremely strong work ethic. And that's what you want when you're drafting a guy in the first round. And top of that, he has all the talent in the world to go along with it. And so Travis Jones, I think, is going to be a stud. Uh, and I'm completely on board with that selection at 17, as long as Jordan Davis is not on the board.
2: Oh, you think he's a first round draft pick?
1: I love Travis Jones. I I I do. Um, and I think if he he makes it out of the the first round, it's because it's the same the same reason, but just not. It's the same reason a, a, as the the knock on Jordan Davis if he falls. It's because they think he's a, a pure nose tackle, and I just don't see that. I think he can play. I think he can play either interior defensive line position. Um, and I think through the Senior Bowl, you saw you saw what I'm talking about just in that tape right there.
2: So I'm really curious because I mean, here's the issues. Typically, I don't see nose tackle as a first round. Uh, position it just isn't right i I think that when you're looking for nose tackles or defensive tackles just in general you're looking for guys that get pressure on the quarterback those guys i mean that's why jerry tillery went in the first round we knew the issues with the run defense we knew the issues with him playing high being a, a liability against the run but the players that go in the first round they get to the quarterback what do you think his ability is at not just collapsing pressure right because i see travis jones as a player who's able to you know walk defenders back into the quarterback but i'm talking about guys that can rip through penetrate gaps is he from that perspective as a pass rusher a first rounder
1: well if you're gonna want if you're gonna block him one-on-one yes because he dogged all of the top tackles that we're looking at that are gonna go in the first 15 picks he dogged all of them and i think what sets him apart, I do think after Travis or after Jordan Davis, he is the next best run defender because his ability to just. I, I think if you're going to block this guy one on one, he's absolutely there. And when you pair him with the defensive line that the Chargers have just acquired, you're not going to be able to commit more than one body to him.
2: So do you think he fits as a three tech or do you think he is more of a nose tackle?
1: No, I think he's, I think that is the knock is he's a pure nose tackle, but I believe truly that he can play both. Um, I, I like Travis
2: Jones. I do. I I've him. been watching him. You know that we took this extra week off uh, and I watched probably 15, <laughs> 15 defensive tackles during this time frame. And I actually really, really like Travis Jones. Uh, and I think that he's a player that kind of like Austin Johnson, who can play the nose, who can play, you know, as a three tech, he may not have the, that, that, I don't think he's got the gap penetration you want from a pure uh, three-tech, go-get-the-passer type of player, but I think that he's got the strength to to mimic some of that with being able to move blockers into the lap of the quarterback. And he's, he's a strong, strong guy. He's athletic, uh, but it would be like putting Linval Joseph, who's extremely athletic, at three-tech, and maybe you're not utilizing his traits the best. I think he could do it. But his best traits probably being as a true nose tackle.
1: Absolutely, uh, no, you're not wrong there. That is his, his where he's going to make his money. I think what what makes him you know attractive to me, in my opinion, and what Jordan Davis lacks, which you mentioned, Travis Jones has. He could fight with his hands, the snatches, and the ability to just chuck people out of the way uh, is is truly unreal.
2: I'm going to talk about Devontae Wyatt. Uh, He's another player that I think is a first-round talent. Without a doubt, 6'3", 304 pounds, had a 9.6 RAS score. He had the fastest 40 uh, in this specific draft class. As much as I like and love Jordan Davis, I'm fully aware that Devontae Wyatt is a much better fit overall because I think that you need a true three-tech defensive tackle. The chargers are in no shortage of nose tackles. I said it just a few minutes ago. Sebastian Joseph Day is going to be your starter on the interior.
0: Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.
2: But you also have Austin Johnson, who has that ability to play the three-tech and play the nose. He played a lot of nose with the Giants. You got Braden Fajoko, again, played a lot of nose, has the ability to play the three-tech, probably better as a nose tackle. And then you got Forrest Merrill, who is probably purely a nose tackle, a guy who's deadlifting minivans. (laughs) (laughs) I think that with the players on the roster, it makes it really, really difficult to draft Jordan Davis, which brings me next to Devontae Wyatt, who I think is just a phenomenal player. He's probably going to start in front of Jerry Tillery. He has to, right? Like he has the – all the ability Jerry Tillery does is – getting to the passer, but is a solid run defender as well. Your only other defensive tackle you have there is going to be Christian Covington, who I think I'm a little surprised that we re-signed him because I think that he struggled. Uh, I think Johnson's going to be the starter. So when you look at the Chargers' defense, right, you've got your nose tackle, you've got two defensive ends, they're basically defensive tackles, and you got two edge rushers with one linebacker playing in the back. So I know without a doubt that um, – Austin Johnson is one of those defensive ends in the 3-4 scheme, however you want to call it. The other it's Jerry Tillery right now or Christian Covington. So I think Wyatt makes more sense and I could see why the Chargers if both players are on the board, why they would choose Devonte Wyatt over uh Devonte um uh uh Jordan Davis. Uh like I just spoke about I, I just his speed is just what makes Devontae White and his get-off, his first step. It's what makes him special. He's a forceful player. Also, the quickness translates to power, and he can uh, bull rush or close gaps if he needs to. He's far ahead in terms of technique. He's a hand fighter. It's a major strength of his. Uh, his tool set as an interior defender is plenty. He has the strength to bull rush. He has the quickness to be a gap penetrator. It, he utilizes his hands to fight, rip, swim, gets blockers off of his body gets hands out of his way and he just has a real high energy motor he understands leverage and he knows how to move linemen to give proper defensive positioning to the other defenders around him uh he's a balanced player run or attacking the quarterback overall i think that he's just a phenomenal prospect he doesn't have the length i think that you want uh, and he's not the strongest player i think he's going to struggle a little bit with double teams uh if you're I think he might struggle one-on-one against more aggressive linemen, guys that are are stronger and can move him off. He's 300 pounds, 6'3". He's got some length to him, but he's not like super lanky or anything like that. I think he's more of just an effort player who's going to be a really, really good 10-year uh, starter for a team, make a couple pro bowls, um, maybe never an all-pro. I don't think that he is the best of the best, but I think he's extremely good in the role that you're going to put him in. Uh, he's probably a top 20 to 30 player based on his production. I think 17 might be a little bit early for Wyatt. Uh, I see him as being one of those players that drops into the second round. Uh, if I'm eyeing Wyatt as a player that I want to to draft, I think I'm going to trade back. I'm going to get a second round pick. I'm going to get a third round pick. I'm going to hope that he's there uh, because I think that you know 17 is rich depending on which players I'm I'm being the top 15 players drafted. I just don't see Wyatt being in that conversation. Also, I'll just add that I think that Devontae Wyatt is the player you want Jerry Tillery to be, right? Um, just in terms of the, the strengths, I think Wyatt's strength really is getting after the passer. I think he fed very well off Jordan Davis, uh, the other Georgia defensive tackle. But I think that Wyatt is a much more polished run defender who does all the things that Jerry Tillery can do and more. That's fair. I mean
1: i i've seen I've seen Deontay Wyatt mocked very, very high, surprisingly high. And I think you you hit it on the head with his pass rush ability, which makes him special. Um, you know, before these crazy this combine, uh, he was. Across the board, predicted to go way, way ahead of uh, Jordan Davis. So, uh, well, and and talking, I'm going to just keep going into my next guy. And just off of combine results alone, I I think we're looking at one of the most overall athletic interior defense line classes the NFL has ever seen. No guys who weigh over 290 pounds are not supposed to run under five second forties. Like this is ridiculous, and we have several of them. Three hundred forty
2: a... pounds under four eight, so it's just crazy. It's a crazy. Two ninety
1: is like the to me like if you're over two ninety, you're a big guy. You're not supposed to be getting you know five movement like know, that.
2: Five to five one, right? Like that's kind of what you want. Five to five yeah. one,
1: and I'm good with that. That's fast to me. Um, but I think it, you know it just speaks to how far athletic training has come, and all of these college and all these college you know strength and conditioning programs have come. Because you're breeding guys like Deontay Wyatt and Jordan Davis who set the NFL world on fire with their 40-year times. I mentioned Travis Jones.
2: And they're on the same team, which is just insane.
1: (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. But the next guy I'm going to talk about out of Oklahoma, Perion Winfrey, he ran a 4.89. You know, maybe not as impressive because he does weigh 290 pounds. Still, I feel like if he ran that three, four combines ago, he's the center of the combine you know, world right now, and Perrion Winfrey, a stout physical defender who knows how to manipulate leverage, you know, once he is leaning, his anchor is set, you are having a very tough time moving this guy, you know, I've seen him use this technique, he completely stalls out double team blocks, and maybe slightly undersized for an NFL nose tackle, I think he has all of the strength to make up for it once he is freed up, he's a very consistent and powerful tackler. He has the ability ability to shed those blocks effortlessly. And he's a guy who's always on the hunt, you know, even in pursuit, never out of a play because he plays with tremendous energy and plays with a motor that never seems to run out of gas. He has elite burst, you know, and the ability to slant into the offensive play. I, I think that is one of The most impressive traits that he has and uses that consistently to just jump into opposing backfields. At the Senior Bowl, lit Mobile on fire with five tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and was named the MVP of the entire game. And at Oklahoma, they had him play all over the D line. You know, he was playing D end, he was playing nose tackle. And I think, you know, his versatile skill set, I think that's going to make him a good defense or. He's going to make a a, a, he's going to make a good fit for a defense that has a creative defensive coordinator like Brandon Staley, someone who likes to run hybrid fronts, move his guys around looking to exploit mismatches. And I I think, you know, his pass rush skills, if you could even call him that, need to come a long way. They're nowhere near elite, which is why he is going to be a second round pick at, at the earliest. But I still think there's plenty to like about Winfrey's game. Um, because he's built in the mold of, you know, the old school run stuff in interior defensive line with some more versatile position, versatility, uh, which is just so attractive in today's NFL. All
2: right. I think I'm going to keep this moving a Move little it. bit. So I'm going to talk about John Ridgeway, Arkansas nose tackle, six, 321 pounds, Uh, He was a two-star recruit out of high school, and he played offensive tackle. He ended up going to Illinois State, just a small FCS school. Um, He wasn't really highly recruited. There, he ended up moving to the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, he played offensive tackle, moved to defensive tackle. Uh, John Ridgway, he added 40 pounds between his senior season of high school and his sophomore season. He bulked up a lot to go and play defensive tackle. And he was one of the best interior defenders in all of the FCS. uh, But he wanted to go play better opponents. So he chose to transfer to Arkansas to play in the SEC where men are made, basically. Uh, He played well enough at Arkansas to go play in the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's a true nose tackle who's not going to rack up sacks. uh, But he is one of the the premier run defenders in this class. He's got sufficient size, strength, length. Uh, He's going to be a key clog in the middle. He's... A physical player just doesn't give up any ground. He's got sufficient upper and lower body strength. Uh, While his ability to play the run is the biggest draw, he's also got a pretty nasty bull rush where he can go and get some pressure, uh, backing blockers into the ball. Uh, He won't be generating the sacks. He does have this push and pull technique that he uses from time to time that can be kind of effective, but it's not really a common occurrence. Uh, he's also not super, super athletic. He's not going to chase anybody down from behind. No Linval Joseph getting sideline to sideline or anything like that. But he is a true two-down player in that regard. Uh, I think that he's going to need to work to keep his pad low, level a little bit lower. Uh, he's 6'5", but that height kind of works against him. It's kind of a disadvantage. I think smaller uh, blockers are going to be able to get up and underneath him, especially if they're more bulky, stronger players. Uh, And they're going to get leverage, and they're going to get underneath him, and they're going to wall him off. Um, He's got to be smart about getting low, understanding leverage. I like John Ridgway, I really do, but I think that there's limitations that come with Ridgway. I think he's going to be going kind of in the fourth round. Uh, I think that the height, the ceiling would be a third round Pick, but again, at a at the nose tackle position, where really nose tackles—if you can find a 350-pound dude, put him in the middle. Usually, they eat up the blocks. It's a it's a it's a position that goes without the the praise that other positions do because you're not getting the sacks, you're not getting the tackles. Your jobs literally eat up double teams, and in that regard, I think John Ridgeway is able to do that. Because of that, he's going to end up dropping a little bit further down because uh, he, he's not going to be able to get you a whole lot of pressure um, or anything like that. So I have a fourth-round grade on him. Uh, but, again, I think the ceilings is the third round.
1: All right. Um, keeping it pushing, I'm talking about DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M, fresh off of an absolute stellar year. And not only was he one of the most productive players in the SEC, like you mentioned, the premier conference in college football, he was one of the most productive football players in the nation last year, period. He was a 2021 consensus All American. He racked up 58 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, two pass deflections, two force fumbles, 37 pressures. He plays D tackle. That's pretty, uh, that's crazy. And at 6'4, 280 pounds, he's really built perfectly for that pass rushing defensive tackle where he's able to use this unique blend of size, athleticism, strength and consistently gets that gap penetration which you which you, which which we always were hoping uh, Jerry Tillery was going t- to be. And Demarvin Leo at least in college was made, able to make ty- all t- uh ugh, was able to make all types of different plays and he absolutely overwhelms linemen with his ability to turn that speed into power and he's incredibly strong you know he has an effective punch it allows him to perfectly set up his set up his pass rush moves he and his counters you know amongst the guys i talked about leal is by far the best most effective pass rusher and he has all the moves you're looking for extremely agile he ran a a 449 20 yard shuttle second fastest amongst the position group and very nimble on his feet. You know, he can change directions extremely quickly. And I think honestly, he's such a good pass rusher. It like, it almost gets him at trouble at times. You know, he's so conscious at, cause he knows he can get after the passer that it, it does compromise. I think his ability to play the run where he will just completely run past the ball carrier because he's so hell bent on padding his pressure and his sack numbers. You know, because of that aggressive nature, he posted a double digit missed tackle rate each season that he's played and you know, that's a bit concerning you know still it's one of those things where you have to balance you know it's one of those things like is it necessarily a bad thing if he's so good at the other thing you know i wouldn't say it's great but him being such a talented pass rusher i think you know you're kind of just forced to live with those deficiencies as a run defender or you justify taking away what makes Leal Leal? You know, that I think his pass rushing ability is what makes him a interesting and a tantalizing prospect. You know, uh he was arrested for marijuana possess- possession, which is slightly worrisome. You don't want those not an issue in concerns. California
2: though, right? <laughs> no,
1: no, but it takes it's a not be ask- an issue. <laughs> I guess the, the thing is, you, even in it's not illegal in California, but do you want uh you know the next Charger draft pick to be riding around with a bunch of it, it's just like one of those things like is it an issue no but it's like you you doubt his you doubt the you know what makes the guy tick right um so, so that,
2: actually I have a question on any of that is sure. that is that is that the height of his issues. Right, because marijuana is not only legalized in California, but it's legalized across the, the league, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of players have become very big proponents of the marijuana thing. Yeah. And, you know, does he have any character concerns that you found? And I'm not no. sure if you researched that deeply, because if that's it, then, you know, a marijuana charge, that's that's not even relevant anymore.
1: Well, and you know, uh, I, no, you're you're right. Well, and compared to you know, there's guys right now with much more egregious charges. Just, I, it's a completely different position. But we are, you know, we are about to let uh, Deshaun Watson play football, which to me is disgusting. Um, but it, but it, it, it's just one of those things where. I don't know. You, you don't want to see it and it's going to add question marks. And as a draft prospect who you're going into a, you know, a job interview, the the most important job interview of your life. It's just the, you want to be able to answer questions instead of adding questions, if that makes any sense. So yeah. um, do I think it's a, 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 I think it will affect his draft stock slightly, but I don't think it's, a reason to not draft him completely. I just thought I would mention it um, because really what I was going to say is is you you have guys in the NFL right now with much, much more egregious concerns and off-field issues. Uh, Right. So that that was kind of where I was going to get with that.
2: Um, You know, he had like legit top 10 hype. Where do you think he falls now that you've kind of studied him a little bit?
1: So uh, I really think he'll be one of the top 10 selections in the second round. Um, I I think he's going to be a steal uh, for a guy that, that, that talented, even in this, I think he's going to be a steal at the second round. I think with, you know,
2: what dropped him, what dropped him from being a top 10 player because for the, the entire year of the entire season and then up until I would say about January, he was being looked at as a legit top 10 player. And, and then that, you had this massive fall and there was no reason don't know. for
1: it I, I I and I've been digging I don't I don't have an answer for that but my final thought my final position you know my final thought on Leal I think he will be in the top 10 selections at the second round I think you're going to get the biggest draft value with DeMarvin Leal because of whatever reason NFL owners have decided to you know outcast this guy I don't think looking at the tape, looking at what he does bring to the table um, that he justifies a second round pick.
2: I'm going to talk about Haskell Garrett, Ohio state defensive tackle 6'2, 300 pounds. Uh, Garrett never really seemed to fall up to the high school hype that he was surrounded with. I mean, this guy was the sixth ranked defensive tackle in high school out of Nevada and he was the fourth overall recruit in all of Nevada. In his high school junior season, he had 20 and a half tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks, just one season. He ended his high school career with 56 tackles for loss and 25 sacks as an interior defensive tackle, which that's just absolutely insane. Absolutely recruited by all the major programs. He ended up choosing Ohio State because of Urban Meyer's track record for developing talent. Obviously, Urban Meyer ended up moving off to being in the um, athletic director type of role. It uh, didn't really work in the same type of fashion that he wanted to. Um, when he ended up arriving at Ohio State, though, he he got playing time like right away as a true freshman, which is extremely unusual, especially for that specific school. I uh, continued to improve and develop, but not quite at the rate you would have expected from a freshman starting at Ohio State. For five years. So he's actually a fifth-year senior right now. Don't get me wrong. He was productive, but he never had that breakout season. He never had that 20 sack, uh, twenty tackles for loss in the back. Um, he just never fully lived up to the potential that really got him recruited as a four-star recruit. Um, something kind of interesting that I, I, I found researching him in 2020 he was actually breaking up a domestic violence um, issue, and it ended up resulting with Garrett being shot in the face. Wow. The bullet traveled through the side of his cheek, through his teeth, and his tongue, and out the other side. Absolutely insane! What a terrifying, crazy thing. I wonder if you could even have a conversation with them, or if the tongue's just missing. Right? Like I have no idea. I've been looking at pictures. I can't see. You know, the bullet wound or anything like that, but absolutely scary. Uh, Anytime you see any um, weapon-related type of issues, it automatically brings character concerns. But based off of everything that I've read to date, this guy is a stand-up character. is at the height of its peak of its whatever you want to call it. It just makes me wonder because, I mean, very few chances—and granted, I live in California— Very few times do I see weapons anywhere, especially when they're used in that type of fashion. Usually you got to be hanging around the wrong people for that to occur. Um, But based off everything that I read, this guy's character is off the charts. I think that the main concern, uh, oh, also something else that's kind of interesting. He was released from the hospital two days later, and he was back on the football field two months later. So to go and like, granted, I, I get it, it's the teeth, it's the tongue, it's like, you know. But he was shot in the face and returned to football two months later.
1: I mean, who who, who do you know who's been shot in the face and has returned to anything, let alone no. uh, one of the hardest sports and most physical sports? Like
2: that's. I that's... mean, when you look at it, he's lucky to be alive, right? Absolutely. Uh, that that's crazy. Like it just an angle that is off just by. 15 degrees and this guy's life is gone. so that's just it's just crazy in the general scheme of things. Um, me being a military dude, um, you know spending five years in the military, having you know extensive weapons training the way that I did um, it's just crazy to see something like that happen because I mean it had to be a small caliber weapon for that to occurred and because I mean you shot with a, a specific kind of round, that will blow like your mouth, your jaw, like right off. So like, he's, just, he's lucky to be alive and he looks like a normal dude. Like can't even tell based off the pictures I saw that he's ever been shot in the face.
1: Yeah, Crazy, crazy story. Um, But what a great redemption story, which, which makes to me the NFL so cool and, and professional sports in period. You see it all the time, guys uh, overcoming crazy, crazy obstacles. So, you know, only, only hoping for, that guy's success
2: uh, kind of just moving on now. So the, the main drawback to Garrett, it's going to be a size. He's not a, a big player. Otherwise he, he's really good at what he kind of specializes in. Uh, he's going to be a true B gap type defensive tackle who you can utilize the athleticism to get after the quarterback doesn't have the size or the strength to play closer along the interior uh, but also he doesn't have the athleticism to play from a more wider technique from the 4i, from the 5. Uh, he's a good athlete for his size, but he has kind of limitations. He's kind of limited to his one single role. And really what that is, he's a gap shooter. Like his get off is insane. His ability to like from the snap being the first person before even the edge defenders are around him, he's already making contact. He never really just fully developed anything off of his get off. He's able to generate force through his get off to, to give kind of a surprise bull rush. It's not a power bull rush. He's he's got some power. He's got some strength to him. But I feel like it's more of like a surprise, like, oh shit, he's already right here. Um he's a solid run defender, except when he's double teamed, like I said, he does doesn't have the size to when when it's one on one, he ends up holding his own. But when he's being double teamed, he's just being moved off. Uh, he just doesn't have the anchor down and, and the weight to really hold up against multiple blockers. Uh, he's got some traits you like from defensive tackle, um, but there's still, like, a lot to develop. He needs to develop more as a pass rush. He needs to be able to use his hands. He needs to stay low. He needs to – he doesn't have the ability to spin or anything like that. Uh, his frame, it really looks maxed out. I, I kind of feel like he just hit that peak of his potential. Um Kind of in that high school era where he was just so much better than everybody else, then he goes to Ohio State and he really just hit the limit. Um, I doubt whether he's really going to ever de- fully develop as a run defender. I think that for a, a player who's got that specific trait where his get off is kind of what makes him special, what makes him good. Uh, he's got pursuit behind him, right? He's a, he's a an effort player. He's got that high motor, whatever you know buzzword you want to use. Um, he's just not going to draw the same type of attention as others. I think he's going to probably go in the fifth round or so. Um, I f- see him as a future rotational player who ends up finding a role, uh, kind of later in his career, um, kind of similar to Damien Square, right? Damien Square was never the biggest or strongest player. He was able to play nose, maybe probably not a good example in terms of the type of player, but kind of, you know, as a player that ended up having and finding some sort of success, You know, when he was 27, 28 years old, but it took him quite a while to develop into that. Uh, So I I just think he's a future rotational player, probably more closely related to Christian Covington, who, you know, ended up finding his groove later in his career.
1: Well, that's it's totally on brand with the next guy I'm talking about, uh, talking about late bloomers. And this guy I've seen listed on some sites as a defensive end, which is just totally ridiculous. But Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU, really built as that prototypical nose tackle that you're looking for. 6'4, 330 pounds. And he has a 6'6 wingspan. You know, with COVID, he actually spent five seasons at LSU working on his craft, but he never broke out until this 2021 season where he was actually given a chance to be that full time start- starter. And last year, he racked up 45 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and two pass deflections. A very, very strong prospect. And he doesn't have, you know, the punch you'd like to see for a guy who is as strong as he is. But his raw strength really stands out. And once he is able to put that to use, uh, he's going to be dangerous. Because once he's engaged, you know, he just bench presses offensive linemen, the biggest guys in the game, completely off of them. And he can get them off his he gets offensive linemen off his frame and he uses that to just manipulate his blocker. He has a great, incredibly strong vice grip. And he uses that to just shed his block at, at a moment's notice. He's very disciplined with his eyes. You know, he's always peeking into the backfield, which if you don't know what you're doing, that's going to get you in trouble. But even with his peak, he's able to maintain his gap control and he never loses that vision, and he uses that to just completely blow up blocking schemes. And overall, you know, he's a guy who consistently wins his one-on-one matchup. Teams don't have much success against him unless they do commit multiple bodies his way. Still, you know, he he's looked at as a late day two pick who's going to slide probably. I, I see like in the fourth round um, because he doesn't really have the explosive get off that you want uh he's but what he does have he, he has very very high character someone i wouldn't mind adding to the chargers culture but he's going to be a rotational player at the next level at, at least in his early years once he as he kind of develops and, and fully uh puts his game together you know he's a much be- better run defender than we have in Jerry Tillery and so i think he makes some sense as a depth piece i don't think he I don't think he jumps Tillery on the depth chart, but I, I really think Farrell's best ball is still in front of him. So early in his career, you know, you would see him chase guys down from 10 yards out. You know, he we use the buzzword motor, but this guy's effort just never disappears from play to play. But after, you know, almost calling it quits, you know, he almost gave up on the game in 2020 when he left LSU to go home. Uh, to go visit his grandmother, who was actually put on a ventilator uh, due to complications with COVID 19. He came back to LSU this past year, and all his teammates, all his coaches, they have said, We have noticed a completely different, much more determined, much more focused Neil Farrell Jr. And so, to me, that determination, you know, that newfound love for the game. Uh, really makes him an intriguing prospect in my eyes.
2: I love Neil Farrell. I think people need to be much higher on Neil Farrell because uh, this dude's motor, like you were saying, like it's hot and he finds he his it. way. He find, He might not get the sex, but he finds his way to the quarterback and there's multiple times where I just see him laying hits. Even if it's not on the quarterback, I mean, he's blind signing defenders. I I really, really like Neil Farrell's tape really like he's one of my favorite under the radar players who isn't getting the hype that a lot of other uh, players are, but he's a good player and he's going to find himself into like a legit rotational role very soon.
1: He's good. And, and you always kind of have to, you know, sign on the, the blue chip prospects. He never put it together early on in his career, but he, you could tell just last year's tape, he wants it so bad. And so I wouldn't mind taking a flyer.
2: Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, he's kind of a positionless player. I, I had a lot of trouble seeing him cause he's listed as a defensive tackle, but he's also got the size of like a, a big defensive end. I'm talking about Logan Hall from Houston. Um, Logan Hall, he's just, he's a weird player, man. He's six six two hundred eighty 280 pounds. He's got this 80 inch wingspan. Like he's got these long gorilla arms. Um, he played multiple positions on the defensive line. He played as a three tech defensive tackle. He played as the edge defender. There are a couple times I even saw him kind of move toward the interior. He's just one of those positionless players. He does not have the size to play nose tackle. No way in hell should you ever think about putting him in that position. Uh, but his weight has fluctuated quite a bit going all the way back to high school. Uh, 6'6, he was like 220 pounds and he played edge. And he ended up moving to like getting p- putting on like 100 pounds, not 100. He ended up putting on like 80 pounds. Uh, That's and a lot then of he played still. defensive tackle. Yeah. And then he goes and drops down to like 270, 280. Like he moved around quite a bit. And I'm having a really hard time determining is he an edge or is he defensive tackle? And like I said, they moved him around to wherever they needed him. Um, he carries his weight extremely well. He's super, super athletic. He had like a 9 – over a 9.0 RAS score. Granted, I think that his RAS score kind of comes as a uh, edge defender rather than a defensive tackle, and I feel like he he's being graded as a defensive tackle, but he he feels like an edge defender, like a big edge. Uh, like Because the athleticism is there, he's strong for his size, for the height. But, again, like I just – It's really hard to see him because he's listed as a defensive tackle, and I just don't see him at his size, at his weight. I mean, I can't think of many 280-pound defensive tackles out there that are as strong as he is at his size. Um, For that reason, I kind of want to put him at edge. Uh, I feel like that's where he's best utilized. He's very disciplined with his weight. He's able to move his weight around as he – uh, sees fit. He's done it for the last couple of seasons. Um, he's got size. He's got power. He's a twitched up athlete uh, who has energy like in his attack. He's explosive, disruptive. Um, he's very, he's got really good lateral agility. Um, he's able to corner guards. He's able to pursue the quarterback. Uh, like I said, six, six, 280 pounds. So that you're just looking at all the athletic ability and then you try to say, okay, me being Brandon Staley as a player who likes big players on the defensive line. I think it makes a lot of sense to go and get a player like this that could potentially play as the three tech defensive tackle could potentially play as a big edge. Right. And if you look at Joey Bosa and you look at Khalil Mack, we got big edges, right? This isn't Von Miller at 260 you know, 255 pounds. This is Khalil Mack at 275 and Joey Bosa at 280, right? So he kind of fits that mold as a player that you might want to develop a little bit more. Um, He's able to bull rush. He's got long arms. He's able to swim. He's able to get a good leverage. He does a lot of different things really, really well. And I think because he's so versatile and because he's a positionless player, Uh, That really helps his draft stock in multiple ways because I think teams are going to look at him and be like, I could see him as a little edge that can go and or as a big edge that can go and apply pressure, but also um, maintain, contain and like close the pocket if needed be. Or another team can look at him and be like, look, he could be a light defensive tackle, could, you know, shoot the gaps and get to the quarterback. And because he's so versatile. Uh, I think he's going to go like in the third round. I just don't know what he is. And if you don't have a plan for him, he's going to crash and burn. Uh, Very similar to kind of Yuchenna Nwosu, who was kind of a positionless player. He was a linebacker, then they moved him to edge. I feel like the development's really slowed down because of that. So if you're drafting him, you have to have a plan for him and you have to stick with it.
1: I like it. That's, yeah, good analysis. Um, well, let's wrap this thing up because we've been going a little over. So I'm going to talk about Otito Aguanilla, um, another versatile D lineman who played every single position along the defensive line for that UCLA defense, a very, very strong run defender who's extremely hard to move once he reaches that point of contact, sets his anchor. And I think that's one of the, the most impressive parts of his game is just is, is the dude's pure strength. He has a wide frame at 6'4", 320 pounds, allows him to clog multiple running lanes at a time, and very effective when ripping, has great grip strength as well, and completely resets his offensive linemen by just p- pushing them and getting them off balance. Or whichever way he wants to go, the dude... Is strong, you know, especially when he's one gapping. You're going to need a bulldozer to move this guy one on one. And we just saw this guy put 29 reps up on the bench press, the most out of interior defensive linemen, the fifth most reps out of any prospect. The only guys to bench more were offensive linemen, who are typically much, much heavier. On top of that, the guy squats 685 pounds. Like, why? Why do you even put that much weight on the bar? That's so ridiculous to me, either way. that that strength is what makes him such a plus run defender. But he also has shown, you know he he can club down blocks when he does get lineman extended. And when he does get a good jump on the ball, he uses that momentum just completely surge his way into the pocket. Now, where he struggles with is within his technique, you know he's very limited in his lateral mobility being that strong he never really worked on it, it it looks like and he does not have a quick get off by any means you know when he does come off it's usually standing up straight and you know he like he he oftentimes get out gets out of uh you know off balance very easily so one thing i did notice though um is a i think a promising sign um is that when he when when he does get off, he actually improves as the game goes along, you know. So once like the second half rolls around, it seems like he gets better. You know, he gets a better feel for the opposing team's cadence. And he's really good at being able to time that snap more effectively as the game goes on. You know, I, I think that speaks to his football intelligence, you know, and coaches love working with smart players. Like that's what you want as a coach, right? And guys who have that just innate instinct for the game who take direction well that makes coaching much easier so I I see a lot of appeal in the prospect from that standpoint and if a team sees him as a guy who they can coach up you know to help cater to those technical deficiencies I, I think you're gonna he's gonna make a lot of teams very happy just because you don't make there's not very many people with that just strength that he possesses the thing that I'm having a very hard time trying to figure out is what do NFL teams view him as, just like your prospect that you just mentioned. You know, I, I seen him ranked as high as the 96th overall prospect, as and then as low as you know, a sixth round projection. So there's a lot of you know just uncertainty there. You know, that's a massive discrepancy. 96 to sixth round pick. Like, so I, I think a lot of Because he's such a smart player, I think uh, the interviews with teams, how he conducts himself, that's going to, in my opinion, uh, determine where he goes in the draft. Because I do think he has some very interesting traits to his game. His weaknesses, though, are very, very concerning. And that's kind of where I'll wrap it up on the interior defensive line prospects.
2: All right. So I think that we've covered most of our defensive tackles in this class. Uh, I think that next time we meet, we're going to go over corners. Is that correct?
1: Let's do corners. Um, Let's do corners because there's some very, very fun ones. You already kind of alluded to it that uh, I think we're both very, very excited to get into this uh, cornerback class because there's some really interesting names.
2: There's some really interesting names. Uh, Let's see if we can shoot for later this week. If not, you guys will hear from us next week. I think the goal is to kind of speed up a little bit because I think we want to do a mock draft, right? That's the goal. I
1: I want to so bad. Um, I know we don't have a second round pick, but we kind of have a plan in place for that. So I want to get it into the mock. It's mock draft season. If it already hasn't been for the last month or so. It is. It's right around the corner. This I personally
2: draft. like pro football network. A lot of people use PFF. I know grades can kind of vary pretty significantly based off the player. I think most people know who the top first round draft picks are, but there are guys kind of in that second round that end up falling to like the fourth round between those. And there's a, I, there's some discrepancies there. I just personally like pro football network. So if you're, uh, if you're doing any type of mock drafts, I highly recommend going to pro football network. Just It's free. You don't have to have a subscription or anything stupid like that. And I really like the analysis that they have for a lot of those guys. Um, Anyways, uh, I will be at DraftFest in a couple weeks. I'm excited to see you guys. Uh, Excited for the draft, man. I'm just stoked. Can't wait. So
1: close. Yeah, this is a fun time of year.
2: Very, very fun. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll get back to you guys later.
0: underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs i've ever worn if you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight sheath is for you the most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body you see their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture wicking technology they're super soft keep everything cool and comfortable and right in place sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.